Okay, great, thank you. Yeah, I will bring up, uh, just wanted to say, sorry we couldn't be there live. Uh, worked in Hanover, Pennsylvania, uh, in a missionary residence at one of our churches, and we were allowed to stay here for an extended stay. Uh, Pam tested positive for COVID on Thursday morning. That's why we're not able to be with you. So we're just uh, isolating until at least Tuesday. Uh, she's doing better. Her main problem has been a sore throat and cough, but the burning sensation is gone. So uh, but that's why she can't be here to really talk. Uh, so I'm going to share with you what she would normally share. And uh, we'll be going through some slides, both for the update as well as for the sermon. Uh, when you see, if you see a black black slide, it doesn't mean we've lost connection. I put some black slides in for transition, and uh, so that that will just be a natural part of both presentations, the update and this sermon as well. I'm going to go to my PowerPoint. I'm going to to share with you. Uh, let me bring that up. Share my screen so you can see the pictures and follow along with them. Okay, we're good. Okay. Well, Pam and I live in Chambéry, France. Uh, we have lived there since 1984, since we went to the field. And uh, we are uh, home on our home assignment right now, and I plan on going back to the field September 1st. Pam and I actually met at Lebanon Valley College, just a few miles down the road from your church uh, in Miller Chapel. Her maiden name was Miller, but nothing to do with the namesake of the chapel. But uh, we met there, she was a French major, and she actually spent her junior year abroad uh, in Strasbourg, France. She lived with the French family, so she was able to be totally immersed in the French language during her junior year of college. At that time, I was also uh, at Lebanon Valley when we met. Before she left for France, I was a music major studying percussion. And after two years, I just sensed the Lord leading a different direction. So I transferred to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, uh, where I studied uh, as a pastoral studies major to prepare for ministry. Well, the Lord used those two interests over the years to lead us to France. And in 1982, we went to Canada School with UFM International and for two years raised initial support to go to the field. UFM International today is Crossworld, and uh, uh, so we are thrilled to be part of the Crossworld family and to be in France and working with co-workers who are there. Pam would have shared with you, as I said, we were 1984 to the present, and Pam would have shared with you her ministry, primary ministry in France, has been with the university outreach called the FEU, it stands for Foyer Evangelique Universitaire, which is Evangelical University uh, Outreach or, or Home, and a very warm sound. Uh, that's a play on words as well, because Feu means fire. But the um, Feu has, been, has a ministry throughout France. There's a national Feu committee, and there are many Feus throughout France on different campuses, Chambéry, where we live, being one of them. So we've been encouraged to see this ministry over the years develop. It was started by two of our co-workers in 1991. And about 2002, Pam joined the FEU outreach. Uh, it's, this is our campus in Chambéry. 
where we are on the campus near the city, and there's another campus, which is more of the technical campus, about 10 minutes to the north, right next to the largest natural lake in France. This campus is more the technical scientific campus, but invitations are handed out on both campuses to invite students to the uh, weekly meetings. It was around 2002 where Pam joined this ministry. There was a need for a woman to help out with the, the female students, to help them, uh, to help disciple them, to work with them either on an individual basis or sometimes on a small group basis. And Pam at times would do girls' Bible study, uh, or she would do a Bible study with several who were not Christians. Uh, one time she had about three Chinese students, three girls who came to learn more about what the Bible says. So she's had quite a ministry over the years working with students and has loved it. She's also been involved with the weekly meetings that happen on Wednesday nights, and she has enjoyed uh, participating there and encouraging these young students, men and women alike, in their walk with the Lord and uh, just being a part of what the Lord is doing in their lives. We also enjoy uh, entertaining in our home, so we will sometimes have students on a Sunday afternoon for the meal. Of course, students love free food, so the food ministry also has some meals, pizza night, and other uh, gatherings to invite them for a meal and then to have their Bible study afterwards. About 11 years ago, Pam was able to start to have a unique opportunity in the gray building in the middle of this picture. The language lab for English students is located uh, in this building, and she was had the opportunity to work there uh, in the lab and assist them in their pronunciation. The lab's divided into two parts, one who, for those who want to learn the British accent, the other side that she would do for those who want to learn the American accent. So she would listen to them as they would do their exercises. They'd speak into their microphones, and she'd speak into hers, and they'd listen on the headset so she could correct their pronunciation. Over the years, she's had about 200 to 250 students come through her classes each week. So she was able to get to know them personally, and she made a point of learning each of their names and knowing them by name personally. So if she saw them in town or saw them on the campus, she could say hello to them. And it was just a great outreach for her to be able to, to link to these students in their normal environment, and as well as working with the student ministry outreach. It was in 2014 where the FU ministry was able to buy its own meeting place. It's on the first floor of this building, and it provided a nice meeting room. And on the other side of this wall, a kitchen and three bedrooms that are rented out to students during the year. So there will either be three girls or three guys in the FU throughout the year. Um, it was encouraging that in February of this year, 2022, the final $10,000 loan payment was made, and the FU is now totally in the hands of the FU Association, and they own that, that building, that room, those rooms in that center at this point. So that was a great blessing. The FOCUS project was what, what we called it, to raise funds for that, and uh, we were very encouraged to see that the Lord provided those funds. Well, the pandemic hit, and of course, Camp on the, the campus closed down, no more classes. So what to do? Well, a lot of classes were online, so Pam was unable to continue with her work as uh, in, in the language lab. 
But the food ministry, even though there were not meetings for the students, they were able to, they tried something unusual. They tried to contact as many of the former students as possible uh, who have come through the food since the late 90s. And they were able to set up a Zoom meeting with them. There were 29 students who participated from eight different countries. So it was very encouraging. Most of them didn't know each other. So it was a chance for them to get introduced to one another and tell where they're from and the years they were present in the food. So that was a great encouragement for Pam. When we go back September 1st, Pam will be involved uh, with the food ministry, but in a different, uh, in a different way. Uh, she will not be on the leadership team, the planning team, but she will make herself available on call to do whatever they need, whether it's to help out with passing out invitations on the campus or uh, whatever they need to do. Uh, they will uh, call on her, and she's already lined up for a few things in September. Uh, she will continue working with the women students and also on sort of discipling uh, some of them on an individual basis as the need arises. So continue to pray for these transitions for the food ministry, uh, for Pam's involvement in the food uh, throughout the year ahead. Changes always take place in times of transition, and the COVID pandemic was actually it actually had a silver lining. Uh, there was a time when ministry was down, a lot of things weren't happening. And it was a perfect time for me to pass on some of my responsibilities to other people. In June of 2020, 2020, I passed on my work as field treasurer. And that was passed on to a woman in our mission who was capable and is doing a great job uh, of taking over the finances. In October of 2020, I stepped down from the church board and for the first time, the church is now in the hands of the French people as of October 2020. So we're encouraged by that. No more American uh, involvement uh, on the church board to allow them to, to grow together and to mature as a leadership team. Then in June 2021, I also turned over my responsibility as the liaison with French Social Security, turned that over to one of our men. So he is now dealing with that. And these are all areas that are important for the life of our missionaries in France. And it's great to be able to pass those things on, work with them, and still be there to shadow them, to help them, and help them out of, uh, with some difficult questions when they arise. In October of 2021, I passed on the church website. Uh, as webmaster for that, I passed that on to one of the new men on our church board who's worked with websites before, so it was a perfect match. Uh, he's doing a great job of taking that over, and it's great just to do things that were your baby and pass that on to someone else and see it mature in their hands. When we go back to France, I will continue um, working with the church. I will continue preaching once, uh, once a month uh, on, in rotation with the other men. I also continue leading worship once a month, also in rotation. And I'll continue in my involvement in local music groups. Uh, I've enjoyed doing that over the years, and I'll have more to share about that during the message time. But we just want to thank you for your participation with us. I think it's been about since 1994. So for the past 28 years that you have been a part of our ministry. And it's always special for us to come back to North Anvil Bible Church. We're sorry we couldn't do that today. Uh, because we always like to ride through the campus where we met in nostalgia time. So we thank you for all you do for us, and we thank you for your participation 
And uh, again, sorry that we could not be there personally, but I look forward to sharing some more thoughts on France and also some, some ideas from the Word of God uh, during the message time. Thank you. Pam and I are at the point in our lives where we're looking down the road at retirement. In two years, our plan in 19, uh, excuse me, well, that is old, uh, 2024, uh, plan on retiring. And uh, so that's down the road, but coming up quickly. Well, as you know, uh, many people in our generation have come to the point where they've seen their retirement funds uh, decrease in value. Uh, very disconcerting. We, of course, trust that in the next two years, hopefully those things will pick up. And as we need those funds to be available, that they will be in a better situation than they are now. But a lot of people over the years are concerned about their investments. And one thing that investment counselors tell us to do is to diversify our investments. Don't put all our eggs in the same basket, but diversify and do what we can to have a variety of financial objectives in view. And I'd like to share with you some thoughts on that, but not on financial objectives, but rather on spiritual objectives. Rather than being preoccupied with material and monetary gains, I'd like to share with you an investment strategy that's based on eternal values as we focus our thoughts on investing in eternity. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're all privileged heirs of a spiritual inheritance. As expressed by Peter in 1 Peter 1, 3-4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Peter says in verse 3 that our, living hope in, that our living hope in Christ is the inheritance that we will someday receive from him. And in verse 4, Peter gives characteristics of our inheritance from the Lord, which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Pam and I are in the process of renewing our residence cards in France. Every 10 years, we renew them. And this is the fourth time we are renewing our 10-year card. So we ourselves are not citizens of France. We're just residents. We do not have a French passport. We have an American passport only. But we know that our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. And that makes a big difference, wherever you are in the world, to know that it's not an issue of where you're a citizen on this earth, but we have a citizenship in heaven, reserved in heaven for us, is that inheritance. Paul said in Philippians 3, 18 to 20, For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In stark contrast to our heavenly citizenship and our spiritual inheritance in Christ, wealth is perishable and it will fade away. 
Proverbs 23, 4 to 5 says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings, like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. With some of these basic truths in mind, I'd like to share with you this morning three reasons for investing in eternity. And the first reason is the fact that investing in eternity is low risk. One of the basic principles of investing is to determine the risk factor of the investment you're considering, usually rated on a scale of one to five. A risk factor of one is the lowest, indicating a fairly stable investment that should have minimum fluctuation in value and profits over time. A risk factor of five, however, is a very risky and volatile investment. It's something that you want to avoid when you get to our age. Those nearing retirement are told to stay away from the high-risk investments because you don't have enough time to recuperate any losses when you need those funds in retirement. For the believer, the most stable and sure investment option is to invest in eternity because it is low risk. And it is low risk because God's program for this world will not fail. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Those five words in the middle of the verse, I will build my church, have personally been my greatest encouragement to, pers- to persevere throughout our 38 years in France. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, go build my church. He told Peter, I will build my church. Many times we get involved in the discussion of who is the rock that he said he was going to build his church upon. We know the Catholic Church says it's Peter and the the succession of popes. We would say that it's Peter's confession in verse 16. And we do believe that, that it's Peter's confession of who Christ is in verse 16 that is the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. That, to me, is a great encouragement. We are just the earthen vessels that the Lord chooses to use for his glory. And as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 6-7, For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. This is why investing in eternity is low risk, because we just need to make ourselves available to the Lord, then allow him to work through us so that he can build his church. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, Paul said, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Paul talks about the uncertainty of riches in verse 17, which can be translated the untrustworthiness of riches, something in which we shouldn't place our trust. I like how Paul says in verse 17, 
but on but on God. We should fix our hope on God because he richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Many people fix their hopes on the toys of life, the houses, the cars, the electronic devices that are part of our world and they're important. And even though these are useful in our day-to-day lives, they shouldn't be the main focus of our hopes and aspirations. But instead, as verse 18 and 19 tell us, we're to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future in order to take hold of that which is life indeed. The real problem in our lives is not in possessing things, but rather in being possessed by things. We have a friend who does scrapbooking with the organization Stampin' Up, and she has a stamp that says, the best things in life aren't things. I love that quote. It simply means that things like family, friends, relationships, events are far greater than the material objects that we can buy. And we know that our relationship with the Lord stands out far above all of them. Yes, the best things in life aren't things. Every year in Europe, there's a song contest called Eurovision. Eurovision brings groups or individuals from countries all throughout Europe together for a final evening to decide who the winner is. They'll all give their performance and the audience will vote and the final countdown comes to see who is the final winner. Well, this year, the Eurovision contest was held in Turin, Italy, which is less than three hours by car from Chambéry, France, where we live. And the winning group was from Ukraine, the Kalush Orchestra. They won the coveted glass microphone trophy that every winner wants to hold true to their heart and hang on to. But no no country knows that the best things in life aren't things like the country of Ukraine at this moment. So the Ukrainian orchestra that won put this microphone trophy, this glass trophy up for auction in order to help the Ukrainian army with funds. It sold for $900,000. Incredible. The best things in life aren't things. In a similar way, we need to maintain a loose grip on the things we possess, allowing the Lord to remove them if he so desires Incredible that this sold for so much. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them, says Psalm 62, verse 10. Focusing on the things of this world is high risk, leading to much disappointment and emptiness. Focusing on the things of the Lord is low risk, leading to much satisfaction and fulfillment. And that leads us to the second principle in our quest for meaningful investments. Eternity, investing in eternity is high yield. 
A major characteristic to consider when investing financially is the yield factor of an investment product from low to high. Usually a low risk investment brings a higher, a, a lower yield, a smaller return on the investment, while a high risk investment tends to bring a higher yield of income. But since God's ways are not man's ways, his investment portfolio is completely different. Investing in eternity is low risk since its returns are guaranteed by the Lord, but in contrast to normal investing principles, it inversely brings high yields. In writing to the Corinthian church about their generous gift for their needy brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2, 6-11, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundant an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply, multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Now, it's important to note that verse 8 doesn't say that you'll have an abundance of every good thing. That's prosperity theology, which teaches that God will make you rich in order to increase your happiness. Rather, verse 8 says that you'll first of all have sufficiency in everything. In other words, your basic needs will be met. And he supplies our needs so that we may have an abundance for every good deed. God gives us more resources in order to produce more good deeds, not to have more good things. That idea is reinforced in verse 10, where Paul says that God will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The principle reminds us of 1 Corinthians 3, 6, which says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So if God is causing the growth in our spiritual investments, that in itself will guarantee high yields. Which brings us to our third and final principle for meaningful investments. Investing in eternity brings long-term gains. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. According to the website Investopedia, long-term capital gains are derived from assets that are held for more than one year before they are disposed of. Usually the longer you hold on to an asset before you trade or sell it, the more favorably it is taxed. For example, a long-term capital gain could be taxed in a bracket from 0 to 
But a short-term capital gain in an investment that's held for less than a year could be taxed as high as 37%, depending on your total income and tax bracket. Just as longevity, patience, and perseverance are the keys to good financial investing, they are also the keys to investing in eternity. One major lesson we've learned since first going to France in 1984 is that traditional forms of evangelism no longer produce long-lasting results. Trying to hand a tract to a total stranger in a marketplace often results in their refusal to even take it. Or if they do take it, it'll end up in the next poubelle trash can. Working in France is about working with people, developing relationships. And I like to use the spider web as the illustration of that as we build webs of relationships with people around us through natural means. As you've already heard during the update, Pam's work in the University Language Lab over a period of 11 years gave her personal contact with over 2,500 students during that period. And her involvement with the Phyllis Student Outreach for almost 20 years has given her countless ministry opportunities to impact the lives of students to get to know them personally. Since 1996, I've had the opportunity to play as a percussionist in a variety of different music ensembles throughout our local neighboring communities, from a 90-member concert band to a five-member jazz quintet, participating in what I like to call PCI, Positive Community Involvement, building bridges into French lives and seeking open doors to share my faith with them. For 10 years, from 2002 to 2012, I had the privilege of playing drums for a Christian gospel choir in Grenoble, which had a very fruitful ministry and evangelistic outreach. I'm currently enjoying playing for an 18-member jazz band, big band, and a 70-member retirees band. This past year, I began carpooling with Anthony, the bass player of our jazz big band, and our 20-minute ride to our Wednesday night rehearsal has given me several opportunities to share Christ with him and to talk to him about different passages in Scripture that we lean on in expressing our faith. Recent studies of church growth and evangelism in France have shown that more new believers have come to faith in Christ through a personal relationship with a Christian after attending several worship services or Bible studies in a local church over a period of time, rather than through a punctual, one-time, impersonal evangelistic event or encounter in a public place. In April of 2017, during the week before Easter, our church members distributed 2,500 invitations throughout the town where our church is located, either hand-to-hand or in the mailboxes. We're allowed to do that in France. You walk into a building with 40 mailboxes, that's 40 invitations in about three or four minutes that you can get into those boxes and hopefully into the lives of those people, as long as they don't throw it in the trash. Well, we offered three things on that invitation. The first thing was to an evangelistic film on Good Friday evening about how Christ is the bridge to lead us to God. The second thing was to invite them to our Easter worship service. And the third item was offering a free book on the resurrection of Christ. The final tally, 
outside of members of our church and those who attend on a regular basis, nobody showed up for the Friday night film showing. Nobody showed up for the Easter service. And nobody requested the free book offer. The ironic thing of it all is that about a week later, while visiting her daughter on a Sunday afternoon, an 86-year-old woman jumped to her death from the balcony of a, an apartment building that is just a stone's throw from our church, a building in which one of our elders lives. If only these people would reach out and accept the offer, but they don't. They don't want to hear it. And so we're faced with a difficult situation, wanting to invite them through these methods that have used, been used over the years, but realizing that, no, we have to build relationships with them, and that's so important. What's interesting is that we received a reply to our update that we sent out at this time in 2017 from one of our coworkers, Juanita. Uh, Juanita has served in France for nearly seven years. She came in to France in 1955. In fact, when she came, it was also the year that Brie Ministry in Switzerland was started by Francis and Edith Schaefer. She came to work with Brie, and uh, when she was 25, for her first 30 years with Brie, uh, she was asked at some point halfway through if she would consider helping to start a Labrie ministry in France so they could extend their outreach. And she said she would. So Juanita and several others went looking for a place, and they went to the town of Avion, where the famous mineral water is from. And they did find a small village up in the hills where they were welcomed, and they were able to go and set up ministry. What's interesting about this is that uh, she would come back every six months. She has now retired, but she has come back every six months, every three months at a time over the year, and has sought to continue relationships with the people who are there. Uh, she uh, has had contact with these people for over 50 years, but after reading our update about our Easter 2017 outreach. Juanita wrote to us, and she said this, it is so amazing that you had no response from your 2,500 invitations. It just is not natural at all, except for the constant opposition of evil. It is hard for folks to realize how difficult it is in France to reach folks. It is now after knowing these folks in Toulon, in her village, since the 1970s, nearly 50 years that I am seeing encouragements. I had five village ladies for a long tea last Wednesday, and it is now so easy to share with them. Juanita is now 92 years old, and she continues to return to France on a regular basis to maintain contact with her dear friends, seeking long-term gains by investing in eternity. So rather than fixing our thoughts on temporal things, that will someday pass away. The word of God encourages us to focus on things of eternal value. Those things that will bring long-term gains to God's church and his ultimate goal for mankind. John, the beloved apostle of Jesus, wrote in his first epistle, 1 John 2, 15 to 17, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Many people hope for a financial inheritance that will change their lives forever, but the greatest inheritance of all is the eternal inheritance which believers will receive from the Lord, as Paul states in Colossians 3, 22-24, Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Let us pray. Amen. 